and we are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor podcast. It is our episode 12 recap, and wow, what is an- it was a- another wild one for sure. This podcast is coming to you live from the spy nest. Oh, my goodness. Crazy episode, Dylan. Super insane. We got to talk about that crazy travel council that maybe got out of hand, but ultimately ended with people all talk. No advantages ended up being played. Some fireworks at camp as well. A lot to break down here. Yeah, there there is a lot to break down. Advantages floating all over the place. Uh, crazy decisions to step off. Uh, what was the immunity challenge uh, in the final eight? You know, never liked to see that. And it ended up sending, being one of the factors sending him home. But uh, yeah, there's so, so much, so much to talk about. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we'll, we'll get, we get right into it um, with, you know, we'll, we'll go, with, uh, we don't have, by the way, we don't have Hef tonight here with us. Um, he'll be back on Sunday for our special edition podcast. We have Ooh. a special guest coming that we'll announce later in the show. Mm-hmm. And, from now, I guess from now, we'll just start it off and go chronological order on the episode and go over each thing because what an insane episode. So much, so much to talk about. So the episode starts off where after Tribal, you have the aftermath. You have the aftermath here after Tribal. You have Tony and Sarah going, well, see, so you have Sarah going crazy. She was pissed. She's like, I'll never talk to you again if I get voted out because of this. It was, it was a wild scene. You got to thank the the editing for that, though. The editing's so good because Sarah's like, you know what? I'm saying to myself, Sarah, don't get mad at him. Don't get mad at him. And then next clip, you just sunk my game. So great use by the edit- editors there. They're doing a great job this season. And yeah, like you said, Sarah, I mean, rightfully so, is pissed. Tony is her ride or die. Cops are us 2.0. He didn't vote her out, so he didn't break his word there. But he definitely cut off one of her main limbs in this game. And it's... I do give credit to Sarah as a player for her to not go off the handle. I feel like Sarah in her first season or even a first time player, this would happen to them and they would go off the rails and say, Tony's got to go now. He lied to me. He's dead to me. I think we're seeing, you know, the great player that Sarah, she has the game sense to realize Tony's still my ally. I have nowhere else to go. Tony doesn't have that many options besides me and a few others. So I'm going to stick with him. He, if he gets me voted out, I'm going to be extremely mad at him for the rest of my life. But I think she realizes that she and Tony need each other in, in this game. And I think that it's good that she was able to move past it. Yeah. And what was even crazier is that this argument, like it seemed like it was off to the side, but it was also in front of everybody. And oh, then yeah. Tony, Tony goes into, you know, combat mode where he's like, I have the idol. He tells Sarah, I have the idol. He tells Ben, I have the idol. And sometimes, you know, I don't always love, um telling people you have the idol but there are certain situations where it is the right thing to do and certainly for tony i mean you you got to do it otherwise you know just just as if you're going to salvage any kind of relationship anyway that's i feel like that's the way you got to do it so and i mean it definitely worked with sarah ben it ended up working because he because uh he did get his vote in the end but you know we'll have to see how it goes forward with ben but at least it worked for one episode (laughs) You know, it's it's honestly a classic debate. You know, it's talked about on Twitter all the time. On uh, our half, Rob and Stephen talk about it all the time. Like the classic debate of: Do you keep an idol to yourself in fear that it could get leaked, or do you share it with one or two people to build that trust? And I've always been, I've always been under the impression that you know it is obviously a case by case basis. It's never going to be a one size fit all. But I do think if you do have someone out there, if you do have a, a ride or die, you have to tell them just because. 
not only will that build trust, but I think it's going to allow for more eyes and ears on the scene. It's going to allow for them to pick up on more things that they hear, you know, idle talk, thinking a few moves ahead of who has an idol, maybe he has an idol. I just think that sharing it with somebody can really help with your trust building and with your network. Um, but for the most part, I do think Tony maybe went a little bit too much here telling multiple people that could have easily backfired on him. Yeah, and I mean, we'll talk about this later, but now everybody knows Tony has the idol because he yeah. said to Sarah during Tribal, do you want me to play for you? And she was like, no. Yeah. Um, but mm -hmm. we'll, get that, we'll get to that later. And then we get to Tony again, um, evolving his spy shack to a spy nest. Um, you know, I, as you said, as you said uh, before we were, before we uh, went live here on the show, I wish we did see that more, but maybe it didn't end up coming into effect all that much. But it was still hilarious to see. I think we're I think we're gonna see it again. I mean, there's a chance this was like a one-off. Haha, Tony's in the spy nest now. But I do think that there's a chance we see it in upcoming episodes. I mean, we saw with the spy shack in his first season that he built it in like the first or second episode, and then we saw like a little bit of it, but then it came back after the merge and then came back again when at the Jeffra vote out. So I have no doubts we'll see the spy nest again. And we did also have the spy bunker and game changers, but that kind of um that kind of flopped completely in with the spy bunker, but he's yeah. evolved into the air. And it's kind of cool how Sarah knows about it. Um, it's kind of like, you know, he's bringing along a, like a little uh, protege where he has his little uh, undercover missions and now Sarah's in on it as well. Yeah, it's, it's for, it is pretty funny to see. And, you know, then in addition to Tony being Tony, you have Jeremy and Ben, who for the last like three episodes have seemed like they absolutely hate each other. Ben, you know, he got a lot of backfire on his original season, season 35, because everyone was like, you know, first of all, it was a controversial win with the f fire making. But then people also criticized his social game. You know, he did have a big mouth at times. Um, he didn't get along with some people at times. And I think that, you know, we're seeing that same kind of flaw kind of coming to haunt him this episode, especially. Um, and yeah, I got to say, I feel like this is what we've been seeing from Ben all season. And I know we always talk about, you know, what's the story of the season? What's the story of each player? Like, you know, Michelle's story is I didn't get a lot of credit for my first win. I want to get credit this time. And can she change that story so far? It hasn't looked like it, but Ben's story has been, you know, controversial win. How does he come back this time? Um, and I do think in his first season before, you know, he was on the ropes with all his idols. I, I do think Ben had a good social game and Ben was in a good spot. But the story of this season for Ben, Dylan, I mean, he gets into conflicts with everybody. He and he and Boston Rob were butting heads early on. Then he and Adam had a, a long conflict, and now it's him and Jeremy. Again, I don't know if Ben's going to be our final three goats. I don't know if Ben's going to go out soon. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but that's clearly the story here, that Ben, for some reason, maybe he feels slighted. Maybe he his trust has been broken. He just is getting into these, like, feuds with a lot of people which is surprising yeah and like i don't understand it from the from ben's standpoint like even if he wants jeremy out it doesn't do anything to just show him that you're mad at him or just not talk to him there's nothing that's accomplished there and as you saw in the episode they did end up voting together and there was a legit need to talk strategy and jeremy was trying to get it out of him and you just if you're ben you just you just can't shut down a complete avenue um even though they ended up voting together and it was success but you just you just can't do that if you're ben you know, you got to be able to control your emotions Yeah, in a game like Survivor. Do you think, I mean, I have to ask though, because I know that an obvious answer would be, how did this conflict start? And obviously you can go back to last week where 
you know, Jeremy's in on the plan to take out Sophie. Ben's obviously upset, but I have a feeling this started the week before when Jeremy came back to camp after playing his get out of jail free card. And we talked about this on the podcast. Everybody seemed to be mad at Jeremy for saving himself. And I feel like that was so weird how Jeremy, the last night he can use it, he was the target and they were all mad at him. I feel like Ben is still mad at Jeremy for that move. It feels like it's all hearkening back to that one moment. And was was Ben going to vote against Jeremy? That? Yeah, he was. That's why right. I don't understand. There has to be something else going on there that we're not seeing because I don't understand where that would be coming from. But honestly, I, there's no way it could benefit Ben. So he's just got to and like Jeremy said, it's season 40. Like it's all winners. He just has to like wake up and just start and just shut that down, at least for the, they're, they're there. What is it? Day 29 already. So they're there for 10 more days. He's just got to put it on the back burner and worry about and worry about the actual game. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and like um, you said, they did they did vote together, so it did they did manage to work past that to get to a common vote, though. Yeah, for sure. And then um, right after that, we had the whole storyline build about Kim wanting to take out Tony. Um, people seemed to be on board, and there was a new four person alliance to form that looked like it could have been very very dangerous going forward. Now, when you're at eight over here, four is you will five is the majority, but you want to get if you could get a group of three together in, in when there's eight people left and just bring in a couple people here and there for the rest of the game, that could be so powerful. And I felt like what we saw there with, who was it? Denise, Michelle, Nick, and Kim. And, but Kim, Kim kind of came in late. So it was really just them three. I think that that, that was, that was really the right move, especially for, especially for Denise. If you're going to go to the end, go to the end with Michelle and Nick. Um, honestly, for all of them, it was the right move. Um, and then Kim came in. So yeah, that I want to talk about that new four person alliance. Now it's a three person alliance because Kim did get voted out. And it's yeah. funny because they didn't they didn't end up voting together, but I have a feeling that well, at least what was it, Denise and Michelle voted together, but Nick didn't. So I have a feeling that Nick could come back to them eventually. It seemed to be a foreshadow kind of thing, even though it did have a role in the vote, sort of. Yeah, this is so interesting to me. I mean, we see Tony make, make this amazing move last week where he kind of, he doesn't flip from one side to the other. And that's why it was such a great move is that he makes a third side. He doesn't go from, you know, the Sarah, Sophie group to the Jeremy, Michelle, Kim group because Kim and Denise aren't with him. So he makes basically goes to a third group of him and um, him, Nick, Michelle, and Jeremy. And I thought, and, th and that's what I was referencing is that the four person alliance, I was like, okay. You know, now this undercover four-person alliance of, you know, Tony and um, Nick and Michelle and Jeremy are going to try to do something. And all of a sudden we see Kim come up with this plan to take out Tony, which I do think you're right, is the right move there. I think Kim notices what Tony's doing. Some people are kind of blind to it. And if you saw his first season, if you let Tony skate by, he's going to crush it and win again. So Kim made the right move here. I don't blame her at all. Um, but yeah, I was just surprised that a lot of people were on the on the board to flip on Tony considering Tony made that new alliance, but you're right. I do think that the Denise and Kim and Nick and Michelle group could have done some damage, but I think Tony was onto them. Tony knows that like the big threats like him, Sarah, Jeremy, Ben, if they don't stick together, the more quiet threats are going to gang up. So I feel like it was a potential alliance moving forward, but it got shut out clearly. Yeah, it definitely did. And then we head to Edge of Extinction where we have another physical challenge. I know there was a lot of I know there was a lot of controversy about the first one with the logs. 
Um, and I honestly think that this was extremely similar and it did last a while. Um, there were some good moments in there. And it, so who were, so who were you need? So the whole point of the thing was you need to get 20, you had to run around half the Island, get 20 coconuts one by one, bring them back to the shelter, the winner, the top. So there's how many people 11 on the edge right now. Mm-hmm. And well, there was now there's Kim. So there's 12, mm-hmm. 11 people on the edge, top six, get two fire tokens. So the people who came back in order, it was Natalie, which was expected. It was Sophie, Sophie, which I was very surprised about that she kept pace with Natalie. Good for her. Challenge then, beast. Yeah. Then there was Yule, Tyson, Parvati, and Wendell. And then Danny was in seventh. So yeah, I, there was de- definitely um, interesting. I believe Parvati is at eight fire tokens or something like that, seven or eight, somewhere in that range. Um, and you know, Natalie also doing well with the fire tokens. You would have to think if she, if what was the so if she get assuming she got half of, of uh what Tony paid for the six and poverty got the other half, then I would assume that Natalie as well is stacking up the fire tokens. We don't, I don't have an official count. Do you have an official count on that? Yeah, I need to update my spreadsheet after this podcast, but I yeah. think in terms of those two, Nat and Parv, I think that. If we assume that the price of peanut butter was the same from before Tyson came back, Parv would have had, you know, tokens from the Tony advantage, from the Michelle advantage, and now this. I think we're looking at Parvati having between six to eight tokens. So Parvati's doing really well for herself. Natalie's got to have between like four and six herself. So both of them are doing really well. And yeah, no, this challenge, I mean, I have a feeling the editors and Jeff probably really enjoyed, and I think it's cool if it was shorter i feel like the, they see this challenge play out they're like this is such an epic story moment this is epic for the show we don't know who's going to come in first second third fourth six um but it was the same thing as the first one it was 20 logs the first time now is 20 coconuts and i feel like when there's so many moving parts of camp we need more time at camp like if survivor wants to have and i know it's all programming if they want to have like an hour and a half or two hour episodes then i'm fine having long edge segments i just need to have more time at camp to understand the strategy and the social maneuvering um but i think again it was something where i was interested for the first part and then it just took too long boss and rob honestly got pretty injured there i mean i didn't expect rob to get medevaced or pull the flag but rob got pretty banged up there yeah it definitely looked like he screwed up his elbow a little bit as he had blood rushing down it looked like his arm was just like limb he couldn't really move it but um I, I definitely, so I was actually kind of okay with it running long just because when there's no reward challenge, I, That's feel, true. That's true. I, still, I still feel like we got plenty of time with strategy. So I feel like I had a good grasp of everything that was going on at camp today. Whereas I don't really remember what this, what the Ethan episode was, but I, they may have had a reward also that day, which made it kind of crazy. But yeah, this, this, I still felt like we got proper time at camp. It was pretty cool to see Rob finish there um even though he was injured like it obviously rob's a legend the top three player undoubtedly ever to play the game and if that's the last like real challenge we see him do but i mean i know we're going to see him do the the challenge to get back in later Mm -hmm. on in the game but if that's one of the last challenges we ever see him do in the game of survivor i think it's you know it was cool to see him finish that for sure yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that Rob, that's just not in his, like Amber said, it's not in his char- character to give up. I think he wants to prove something to his fans, to his wife, his four girls. I give him total praise for keeping to uh, to do it. And I think also seeing Sandra leave Edge of Extinction made him also be like, I, I can't give up on anything. So I'm, I'm really happy that Rob stuck it out. 
Yeah, and now I want to get right back into the game. Um, so we have now right after that. Um, okay, so we did right right after that was when we had the whole thing with um Kim trying to pull in Nick, Michelle, and Denise, as mm-hmm. I referenced before. Um, mm-hmm. kind of just you know building that you saw like it was going to be Kim versus Tony tonight. You just knew that was going to happen. Um, and then you had the moment where Ben was walking in the woods and finds the idol with Tony standing right next to him. And he quickly tries to pull it back and hide it. And Tony was like, what are you doing, Ben? I see you just saw it. <laughs> that was just, that was an amazing moment on so many levels. And you saw Tony get like paranoid. Like, what were you trying to do? Hide it from me. I said, as soon as that happened, I was like, Kage on Tony would vote, would vote Ben right out of the game, but <laughs> just, just for finding the idol. But you gotta, you gotta understand Tony's perspective here. He needs Ben as a number. You can't just, you can't just do it just because he has an idol. So this was a little bit of a different situation, but I thought it was hilarious how Ben knew that Tony found the idol. And then Tony was right there when Ben found the idol. So now they really do need each other. It's as simple as that. Yeah, no, they're connected by the common thread of the idols. And it, it really was a funny scene from Ben trying to hide it. And then in the confessionals, Tony's like, you try to hide it. And Ben said, I try to get away with it. It was just really funny. I don't know what Ben was thinking, trying to hide it while Tony's right behind him. Um, I mean, granted, we've seen that before, you know, where, like Russell did it before um, a bunch of people have done it where they find an idol and they stash it away. So I guess it's possible to, tr- to try it, but you can't pull one over on Tony. Tony's the king of the idols. Like you can't do that to him. And then also it was funny when they ran away and Ben picked him up and carried him off <laughs> into the sunset. Yeah. That was pretty funny too. Um, and I do think you're right. They do need each other in this game right now because they are, you know, seen as bigger targets and no, it was just a good scene. Yeah, and quick uh, advantage counter count in this in this game at the at the moment that this happened, and we'll get it a lot more into the advantages after. But Tony Idol, Ben Idol, Michelle had the flip a coin, which we will definitely get into later and talk about that. Um, but now we and you know I, the reason why I'm kind of flying through here is because I do want to talk about the vote for a long time because that was a absolutely wild tribal council. Yeah. Um, and also everybody in the chat right now watching, we will get to your questions towards the end. So. Keep asking if you have, and we will eventually get to all of them. Um, but yeah, immunity challenge, as you wrote, a classic challenge that's been pretty much played in, like, I feel like every other Survivor season. Um, and, you know, it, I believe this challenge is very well known for poverty, lasting what I believe to be five and a half hours, where I, I think she just stepped down because the person next to her just, like, they came to some agreement. I don't really remember what happened. Do you? That was uh, season No, four. poverty actually won this challenge um, in Heroes versus Villains and Micronesia. Um, oh, poverty cool. won it um, she, for, after five hours because Jason stepped down next to her because they were going to um, promise to keep him safe, and then they were all lying to him. And they voted that, was the, that was the episode where Ozzy, Ozzy went out. Right. Um, but no, but yeah, like you said, this is a classic challenge. Like Jeff said, when it rains, it pours, has been played since Survivor Africa in season three. And I'm actually really glad, Dylan, that they did a man and a woman win this challenge. Because if you go back in history, unless it's happened once, this challenge is predominantly won by females. Females have won this challenge almost all the time. It's not even close. So I'm kind of glad that we got to see a really cool battle which well we thought we were going to have a cool battle but um of you know both sides both genders trying to fight it out um because i said going into there the boys have no shot either denise or michelle or kim is winning this hands down no one else has a shot so that was really cool to see the uh two uh immunity necklaces so yeah so i do want to talk about a few things here so first of all they made it a little bit harder this time um because they had 
some so they always they you know the last few seasons that they've done this they've had somebody standing on the they have a little perch that they stand on mm -hmm. um but a lot of times um and if people are watching on video they'll see what i'm doing here but a lot of times people you kind of brace their arm with the other arm and yeah. they didn't allow them to do that this time which made it go a lot faster and it was not a five six hour challenge this time um and then they also made it how one man and one woman take it now when you're in the final eight and that happens all of a sudden, you go from a one in eight chance to a two in eight chance. Your chance is literally double of winning immunity. Yeah. I mean, like, and we talk about how you have to just make sure a lot of times when you're in trouble, you got to just make sure you get to the next week. And reasons like this is why. And yeah, reasons like this is why. Because if you're, if you're Tony, I mean, obviously Tony had the idol to keep him safe, but you know, he goes crazy and does the, and does the uh, Sophie blindside last week. He, you don't know that you're if what what opportunities you're going to have the week after. So like, I think that you have to play this game, especially in a winners at war season. You got to play it week to week because you don't mm -hmm. know when your chances to win immunity are going to double on the in the next challenge. And meanwhile, Tony, who had never won an immunity challenge, individual immunity challenge, I should say, going into this season, has now won back to back to back, and it's absolutely incredible. And I want to talk about people stepping off. And as I do this, we have a comment in the chat from Tyler who says Kim played that challenge twice and stepped down for food both times. Mm -hmm. Right. So that is actually correct in survivor one world season 24, the season that Kim won, she stepped off for food. And in this time, and I'm sure everybody was yelling at their TV, like, Oh, Kim, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And she did it. I always wonder now, I don't know how I would feel if I were on, if I were competing in a challenge like that, how do you decide when it's, the, when you have a one in three shot, because at that point Sarah was already out, so it was Michelle, Denise, and Kim left. And you're if you're in Kim's position, and Michelle's a little bit different because Michelle I thought was always safe the entire time. But if you're Kim, how do you step off like that? I always think like, and I feel like it's easy to say from our seat sitting at home, and you just don't know what's going through the minds of the players. And you know Kim clearly showed that she regretted it obviously when she went home, but just. As soon as she stepped down, I was like, oh, no, she's going to regret that later. And I'm just completely surprised that she stepped down. Yeah. I mean, again, we don't know what we would do in that situation. I mean, I'm sitting here on my couch as a super fan saying you can never step out of these challenges because you're never safe in this game. And like uh, and Quate also says in the chat, you know, it's disappointing to see super like all winners step out of this challenge for food as well. Um it's, it is tough because we say we wouldn't do that, but we go out there, we're starving. We think we're safe and we might do it. You know, that's why, I mean, Tyler brings up a good point though. She, Kim did it twice. Kim stepped out in her first season because that was when the all woman Alliance was dominating. And um, on the chopping block was either Troyzan or leaf or Tarzan. So Kim knew she was safe no matter what. So she stepped out here. I guess she also thought here, Look, Tony is the biggest threat on this board if he doesn't win. And even if he does win, I can take out Jeremy or Sarah. Kim probably felt safe. And like she said, she did regret it. It was a mistake there. But I mean, she probably did feel like pretty safe there to step out at that point. Yeah. And I did want to bring up also like this is not a position that Kim's used to being in. Now, when, no. she, stepped, when she stepped off in one world, she was completely controlling the game. She had friends all over the game. She had no chance of going home ever. So. I, like that was a very different time and it's very tough to go into a game now with all winners and kind of just realize that, that, you know, sometimes you're going to, you know, she, she is in the end a threat. So she's obviously in a lot more trouble now. So I think she just honestly had a little bit of a brain fart and just stepped down. 
Um, but I do want to talk about one more thing in this challenge really quick. I am absolutely shocked that Nick just stepped off right away just for the one fire token. Now, obviously, and they, they made it seem like it was just like a quick agreement. Now, what they did make clear later is that Nick made, Nick seemed like he was about to fall off. At least that's what Tony said. That's what Nick said. So in his mind, he was like, why don't I eat right now and grab a fire token rather than end up losing to Tony anyway and not getting either one of those things. So he either had to, he either had to pick, he had to pick one or the other and say, do I take the benefit of just stepping off or do I actually try and compete in, in a challenge that I'm probably going to lose? So look, if Nick was really going to fall, then he made the right decision to at least get a token out of it. But that's tough to see when you know that there's a huge threat that you're planning on voting out that night to step off like that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the question. And we'll never really know because we're not in Nick's shoes. And, you know, armchair quarterback, he could, he could say after this season, like, oh, I was going to fall off. We don't really know. But you're right. If you voluntarily stepped out there, that's a huge mistake for Nick giving Tony his third win in, in a row. And again, like you said, if you told me that Tony coming into the season, coming off of no wins ever would get three in a row, I would be floored. Um, but if Nick voluntarily stepped out, I do think that's a major blunder there. But, you know, if he really, if you are falling off in those challenges and people say this all the time, if you're going to fall out, no matter what, you might as well get food out of it. You might as well get a token out of it. Um, I don't blame Nick if that's the case and we'll never really know for sure. But yeah, no, if you step out for food voluntarily, like, oh, I'm not going to fall off, but I might as well just get my safety and some food. It's a very risky move. It's only good if you are like, I'm not going to outlast this person no matter what. I might as well get something out of it. Yeah, you better be sure that yeah you're about to fall off and you can't go any longer or that you're safe that night because anything could happen, especially as we saw with Kim tonight. Mm -hmm. And now we get into what was one of the craziest, and I, keep, I feel like I keep saying this every week, but it's true. What was one of the craziest pre-tribal tribals we've seen all season? Um, and immediately you have the idea they were going to get out Tony. They're like, all right, we got to split Tony and Sarah up, but let's put that on the back burner right now. And we have to go for Jeremy because Jeremy voted with Tony last time. Jeremy's still a huge threat because if Jeremy gets to the end of that game, there's no doubt he could get the votes to win. And that's just the truth. Jeremy's a likable guy. He's saved himself from the bottom a lot of times. So their idea was to get out Jeremy. But then you get Ben with his big mouth again. And he's like, he's like, Tony, they're going for you. And then he's like, oh, well, who said it? Kim, Nick. And then everything just falls into motion from there. I get that Ben is trying to play both sides, but you got to be careful about, if you're Ben, you got to be careful about who you're telling things to. You can't tell something like that to Tony because you know that shit's going to hit the fan as soon as that happens. Yeah, no, people are going to keep saying the biggest mistakes of this episode were Kim stepping out and Nick stepping out, and that's all fine and good. But I think the bigger blunders this episode we're back at camp with Ben and Nick. I don't know how Ben makes that mistake to tell Tony that Kim was leading the charge to go after him. That puts the whole thing in motion for Kim to get voted out here. I, I honestly think that if Ben doesn't do that, there's a very likely chance that Jeremy might go out tonight, go out that night. And granted, there's still a chance Michelle gives him the coin, still a chance he flips heads and he's safe, but there's a much greater chance there of Jeremy going out if Ben doesn't spill the beans to Tony, who then goes to Nick and says to Nick, hey, Nick, are they voting for me? Are they voting for me? And then Nick completely, and again, I, and again, I'm not a player. I can't speak truthfully to this, but I feel like I would have to be better at lying than they are. And you're Nick, a winner, Nick, too. Nick, Tony Nick, was, 
Nick was so flustered. He had no when idea. Nick, when Tony comes to you and <laughs> says, are they running for me? And then Nick is like, oh, no, you're, you're not in danger. Okay, well, I just heard that you were on the bench with Kim. You, you got to say something like, oh, no, we were talking about this or Kim told me this. But, you know, I didn't mean it at all. I wanted to just assuage her. I wanted to make her feel comfortable. I didn't really mean it at all. Here's what we're doing tonight. He goes, uh, oh, shoot. Yeah, give me a minute. Give me a minute. Um, um, when somebody doesn't give you a clear answer and also can't look you in the eyes, like it's a dead giveaway that they are not with you. And I cannot believe how flustered Nick and Ben got in that scenario. That's crazy. Yeah, so – and then, yeah, I mean, look, if you're Nick, you got to come up with something better. But – you know, you kind of had a situation where Nick and uh, it was kind of confusing to see who was really in the middle here. Now, let's I want to like put this. I want to say this out loud just so we, we could I can make sure I'm right here. So you yeah. had Tony, Sarah and Jeremy for sure on one side voting for Kim. Then you had on the other side, Kim, Denise voting for um, who, Jeremy voting for Jeremy, right? Now you have now you have the middle, which is kind of very blurry, where you have Michelle, Nick, and Ben. Am I leaving anyone out? No, I think you have all eight of them. Um, right. And so so Michelle made her intention clear that she was gonna stay with Kim and Kim and Denise because they wanted to work with her. So we've seen Michelle do this a lot this season where she kind of plays both sides, but she votes one way, even if she doesn't completely believe in it, just to make sure that she keeps trust. So we got a pretty good idea Michelle was going to vote that way. So that's three and three. And then you kind of have Ben and Nick in the middle. It seemed like Ben was wishy-washy. Nick, you kind of got the sense he was going to go with Kim. He'd uh, like go like to align with Kim, vote out Jeremy. He did not end up doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, we'll talk about that later, but that was the sides going into the vote. Tony obviously had the idol that he could have used. And then you get Michelle, who kind of starts to feel guilty about voting out Jeremy. And honestly, like if you're Michelle, you have to, you can only play that advantage for two more weeks, final eight and final seven. You have to put it to good use, especially if you know you're not in danger the next two weeks, you need to find, you paid four fire tokens for that. You better find the best way to possibly use that. And she really could have, if the majority vote was going to end up going on Jeremy, she could have flipped the entire game right there. So you're saving Jeremy, getting out Kim. I know she was still voting for Jeremy, but she's the one who gave him the advantage. Let's just talk about that whole decision to give Jeremy the advantage. What do you think about it? I mean, it's something she did pay four fire tokens for, but at the same time, you would have to think she's going to try to get the best use of it possible. And then, you know, as you move, at, and then, you know, we'll move on to tribal and talk about everything that yeah. happened. But just, you know, the initial idea to give Jeremy that advantage. Yeah. No, I think that Michelle actually played it really, really well. Um, the first thing is that, you know, if you want to stick, stick with the numbers and you want to stay safe you're proving something to those people by writing jeremy's name down we see it with you know sierra voting for her mom in blood versus water that kind of indebts her to tyson and the others because they see her okay she's with us she voted out her mom we see it michelle do it actually when she votes out julia in survivor co wrong where she votes out her number one ally proving to aubrey and ty that she's with them so this has worked before so i think michelle did a really good job here at helping to save Jeremy with the coin, but also writing his name down to ensure that she's voting with the numbers or even tonight, she was on the wrong side of the vote, quote unquote, but no one's going to be mad at her because she voted how 
the people thought she was going to vote. So that's fine. And I think the biggest thing here, if, if people say she gave away her coin, what is she doing? She could use it next week. It's only good for two more weeks. And I feel like a 50-50 shot at a idol is less worth it than a trustworthy ally in the game. Like Jeremy and Michelle are not going to flip on each other no matter what it seems like. Kim, I mean, granted, Kim and Denise did flip on Jeremy and we thought they were all going to be tight. But it looks like with Michelle saying, I've been with him since day one, I can't completely turn my back on him. I think she values Jeremy more in this game than the 50-50 coin. But also I think that Jeremy could give the coin back to her. I don't think there's anything in the rules saying if the vote falls on Michelle next week for some reason, Jeremy can't say, okay, I'll, I'll give it back to you. It's your coin. So I feel like she did the right thing by voting for him and then giving him the coin to possibly save himself if he wanted to play it, which we'll go into when we get to tribal. But I think that also voting for him was the right move for her. Yeah, and we've kind of seen Michelle is like, when you, when you, like, she has that kind of unique social strategy where she always manages to vote a certain way, but not upset anybody else. And I don't, like, that, that really is a skill in Survivor. And like, mm -hmm. she does it completely perfectly. And I know that a lot of the votes haven't worked out for her, um, at least since the merge. But I really do have to say that she's like the poster girl for that kind of strategy with the, with the social game and the voting. Um, so yeah, but I, I want to get right into the tribal so we could talk about this coin more. I know that there's been so much complaining about the whispering at tribal. And I have to give the producers credit because they heard that and put pretty much subtitles on every single thing tonight. So I felt like I was able to follow it a lot more. Now, I don't want to get too much into the whispering, but it was so funny because it seemed like such an unnecessary whisper. They knew that they were voting for Kim and Tony and Jeremy decide to start whispering to each other anyway. And then it sets an entire thing into motion where now what do you do you think that Ben and Nick we're going to vote for, do you think that Ben and Nick were going to vote for Kim if it weren't for all the whispering? Or do you think that that's what really put the plan in motion? I, I don't know. I mean, again, like I've said this whole season, I have to go back and rewatch to see what really happened. But it felt like the whole thing was just a giant smoke screen and nothing meant anything. It, it almost felt like you said the plan was to vote Kim with that group. And then they all start whispering. And then I guess the whispering ended up in that everything is fine. Stick with what we said. Kim is gone. And then nobody plays their advantages, as we'll see, because Kim was going to go home. I feel like the whole thing was a giant smoke and mirrors and it didn't mean anything. Maybe you're right. Maybe that Ben was not with Jeremy and then something happened and he said, you know what? I'll vote Kim out. But that just felt there like was said, unnecessary because I feel like that was going to happen no matter what. There yeah. was a small scene that they showed when, during the whispering where Tony was like to Ben, you have to vote Kim. And he was like, I'm not changing it. I'm not changing it. Um, meaning like he would have been voting for Jeremy originally. So I don't really know about that. Um, maybe it was edited to look that way. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, it unless truthfully Ben and Nick flipped from the whispering, then the whispering was one big smokescreen. But I do want to get into tribal here. Um, and I, I know we're talking about tribal, but I do want to get into the details of it. Jeremy has the 50-50 coin sitting in his pocket. And Tony has the idol in his pocket. Ben is asking, do I need to play the idol? They're like, all right, no, Ben, you don't need to play the idol. Because Tony was going to play it for Sarah if she was in danger. I cannot believe that Tony thought that Sarah was the one in danger. I really, I really can't believe that. 
I, I gotta imagine it in the whispering, Sarah's name gets brought brought up. I, I if I'm trying to piece this together, and again, I don't want to get on a tangent with the whispering. I know we've talked about this before. You and Jordan feel one way, Annie and I feel the other way. And also, if you go to Twitter, Twitter is actually also split in half. Half of Twitter yeah. feels like the whispering is exciting. We love it. It's amazing. The subtitles are amazing. And then the other half feel like it's gotten out of hand. It's too much. You can't leave your seats. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't want to get into a tangent. I feel like it's gotten out of hand, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, if I'm trying to piece this together logically about why Tony thought they were voting Sarah, I'm going to assume we see Jeremy and Tony whisper first, which I'm assuming they're saying, we're good, we're good, we're going to vote Kim, we're fine. Tony leans over to Ben and says, can you tell Nick we're going to vote Kim or can they hit for he, him to vote Kim? And Ben's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not changing I it. Think, I think that where it was was where you had Kim and Jeremy talking and maybe – he was a little bit worried that that was going to maybe, maybe that combined with the Ben Nick kind of thing that you just said was maybe a red flag that, well, who's the name that is not getting spoken to me. Maybe it's Sarah. I think that that's a decent possibility because I guess if you're Tony and you know that they were, if you, if you're Tony and you know that they were originally coming for you, the next logical choice would be, they're going to vote out your right hand man. Right. Yeah. I think that there is a reason to be paranoid, but clearly there was no threat for Sarah. No, but I think that's that's how the the timeline plays out. Where I feel like Tony says that to Ben, and Ben's like, "I'm not going to do that," either because he was voting Kim already, and he's like, "I'm not going to risk my neck to say something to Nick right now," or he was voting Jeremy, and he ends up getting flipped. Then Kim hears that and runs over, and then everything breaks loose because then we see Kim and Jeremy talking, like you just said. That's where I feel like Sarah's name gets brought up. Tony probably overhears it or Kim goes to someone else and says, Sarah, that's why he gets scared. Good read on, again, Sarah's a great player. Good read on her part when Tony says to her, do you want it? And she's like, nah, I'm good. I mean, again, I'm not a player, but if someone said to me, do you want it tonight? I would say, you're going to play your idol on me for free and I'm guaranteed next round. Give it to me no matter what. So I got to say, Sarah, great read again, making sure she knows none of the votes went on her. Um, I got to imagine, and this is where we'll end up in the, in, in the discussion about them not playing the advantages. I got to imagine Jeremy's thought process is, look, I know I'm getting thrown, my name's getting thrown around, but I heard Sarah's name and Kim is the target that I knew coming in. Now it's likely that it's going to be Kim or Sarah. I can hold on to this for one more week. I can guarantee it next week. That's the only thing I'm, unless I'm missing something. The only thing I could think of why he would not play it, if he knew that Kim was the option and if something went haywire, it would fall on Sarah. That's the only thing I can think of. And Tony probably thought the opposite, where he thinks, okay, I heard Sarah's name, but Kim was the plan I knew of. And if something goes haywire, Jeremy will get voted out. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's the only way it makes sense that both of them did not play what they were talking about. Yeah, I I think that that is definitely a decent possibility. Jeremy seemed to have a really good read. Um, on like just in terms of the past, like even his winning season, he's always had a very, very good read about when to play the advantages. Like I, he saved fish back the right night. He saved himself the right night in the final six. So like he, he's always seemed to have a really good read on when to play the advantage. I would have to guess that maybe he just felt confident that one of that, at least one of Ben and Nick would come through and it would at worst be a, a split. I don't, I, but even if he thought it would be a split four four, then you would think he would play it, but maybe, maybe he was confident in Ben and Nick, maybe that maybe there was a conversation had in the whispering that we didn't hear that he seemed pretty confident. He was like, you know what? I'd rather take my chance not playing it and saving. Like he had to have felt somewhat confident. He had to have. Yeah. 
and I think this is an interesting theory that I've heard before. I can't remember where I heard it, but I definitely subscribe to it. And I want to hear your thoughts. Um, there's only seven people left in the game. You have Nick, Michelle, Ben, and Denise, who are one-time winners. They've only played once. They've never lost before. And then you have people who have gotten voted out, but then won in Tony. Well, Tony won first. But Tony, Sarah, and Jeremy. If, if I had to say right now, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think the three best players this season have been Tony, Jeremy. I mean, before, before I mean, Sophie played amazing, but she's out now. I'm saying of, of who's left, Tony's playing the best. Jeremy's playing, I think, overall pretty well. Sarah's playing pretty well. And then even Denise is doing well, too. I think the common thread here, Dylan, is that those three people are all people who have lost the game before. And this is something that's talked about a lot. But I think when you lose the game and you get blindsided, you know what to look for. You know what to look for in a sign that, oh, it's me. Oh, I'm being lied to right now. You know what to pick up on because you've been through that before. When you just said Jeremy had a good read, Jeremy got completely blindsided his first season. And I think ever since then, he's been able to pick on, on the read and what I have to do. Sarah's picked up on it. Tony's picked up on it. I think that's why we're seeing, you know, not a lot of stellar, not stellar, but not a lot of intuitive gameplay from, you know, the Knicks, the Bens, the Michelles, because they've all won. They don't know what it's like to, I mean, they, they know what it's like to be lied to, but they don't know what it's like to be, you know, voted out. So I feel like those three players were really good tonight, Sarah, Tony, and Jeremy, because they know what to look for. Yeah, and one thing I do want to point out from those three players that you mentioned at the top is you'd say that, you know, experience definitely helps, first of all. I think Tony's playing the best game so far. He's been in complete control pretty much since the last, especially the last two weeks. And like, I mean, if he could somehow find a way to survive and win this game, that would be just incredible. Sarah has been on the right side of the numbers almost the entire game. So she's playing a game as well. Now, an idea that I was very reluctant to agree with, and I'm now kind of agreeing with it, is that the very, I would say like probably like a month ago, we were on a podcast with Russell Hans, and he said, I feel like Jeremy is not in control at all, and he's playing a Sandra-type game, anybody but me. And I was very reluctant to say that, and now it kind of seems like and it kind of seems like he has to do that, and that's what he's been doing the last few weeks. But that just because you know Russell described it as anybody but me, a Sandra-type game, that doesn't mean it's bad. Sandra has won twice. She's that means that he's playing a very, very good social game to the point where yeah. people are trying to save him. So it's just a different strategy that we have seen from Jeremy. And I think he's trying to control things, but I think that he's in a position right now where he just has to get to the next week. And if he were to get to the end, his pitch would be, I literally had no choice to like, I had no choice to start controlling votes. I was legitimately the target every single week and I was saved because of my social game. So I have to give Jeremy a lot of credit because he's been on the bottom since the merge started and he's kind of just clawing his way in right now. Um, yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, that's something that we talked about with Russell and I just think it's a different style of gameplay. I mean, I've always said that Jeremy is a great social player, obviously a great strategist as well, but that one scene where we see um, the, I believe it was the Adam boat out, but where we see Jeremy sitting on the bench and he doesn't move from that spot and everyone comes to him with their plans. That's a sign of a great social game. I think what we have to accept and be okay with if you like the style of play is you have to understand that Jeremy was in control in Cambodia. So he's playing a great winning game there. This time he's not in the majority all the time and he has to play from the bottom a lot and he's constantly having to just be scrappy and fight, but he's doing a good job of it because his social game is keeping him in the game. We keep hearing that Jeremy 
well, Jeremy, if he gets, gets if he gets into this game, Jeremy's gonna win because he's a great player and he's a family man. So unless, they're not gonna let Jeremy get there, but they fact that he keeps okay, yeah, go for it. I was gonna say unless he goes against Tony, which I don't. I mean, I honestly, I think, and I, I want they, you to finish, I want you to finish your thought first. While it's likely not gonna happen, I think that there actually is a path of Jeremy, Sarah, and Tony all somehow getting the final three, given that there is a fire making challenge. But that would, I mean, it's 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 possible. Um, I'm yeah, not. No. I don't think it's likely. I think it's possible. <laughs> no, I, I think for sure one of them is making it there. For sure one of those big dogs will sit there. I don't think they're going to be there together. I just think that Jeremy and Tony are using each other as shields right now because they both know if the other gets to the end, they're going to win. So they're probably waiting for the right moment to cut them loose. They're probably saying it's final eight right now. If I cut him loose now at eight, at seven, six, and five, I'm the next biggest threat. They're probably thinking – around six or five is the moment where I have to cut them loose. So that's probably what Jeremy is thinking with Tony. And that's definitely why Tony keeps saving Jeremy. If Tony wanted to, he could easily sell Jeremy out and Jeremy would be, would be gone right now. But the fact that Tony keeps saving him is a sign that one, Jeremy's also playing a good social game, but two is the fact that Tony knows if I lose Jeremy now, they're going to come for me next. So I feel like you need to keep him as a vote. You, you have to keep him as a shield. And this is what we saw with Dominic and Wendell and ghost Island, where you know, Dominic basically, he, they, they tied. Dominic played an amazing game, but he could have cut Wendell a little bit earlier, but he's always said in, in interviews, and he said it's us. Like, if I cut Wendell at the final 11, 9, 7, they would come for me next. So I had to keep him as my ally, but as my shield. And the problem is that it became too late to take him out. So I feel like if Tony wants to win this game, and I think he's setting himself up, he has to keep Jeremy for like another week, but then cut him right before they get to like 6 or 5, because at that point it's too late. The the only thing you risk with Jeremy is that I know he I know he he's only won one so far, but he you do risk him winning immunity, yeah. getting gifted an advantage from somebody on edge with all those relationships, and obviously I expect edge to pl- come into effect next week again. I do expect a big advantage to come from there just because the way this season is going. Um, you'd have to think that before the challenge, there is one huge advantage that comes into play. Um, being sent from the edge into the game, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So I just want to transition right now into questions and yeah. then we will announce what we are doing on Sunday and our guest. So I'll, I'll put this, this question was asked all the way back at 922, but I will put it up. How paranoid is Sarah and how will this impact Sarah and Tony's relationship going forward? I honestly think that after, after they went to sleep that night, I think that it, it was literally fine once they woke up. Like I, I think that, I think that Sarah and Tony are tight. I think that Tony has no plans to get rid of Sarah, at least yet. I think that Sarah has no plans to get rid of Tony because in reality, they do need, they do need each other. And that's what was so impressive about the way that Tony played last week's vote with Sophie is that there's a point where Sarah, there's only eight people left in the game. Sarah has, she has to go somewhere. She's not going to, you know, she's not going to go somewhere where she's not wanted. Tony wants to play with her. She didn't really have a choice, but to stay with him. Plus they do have that personal relationship. So I think it was. I think that they're completely fine in terms of the game. I just think Sarah may be a little bit more wary of Tony because she's seen it before in Kageon. Yeah, no. I mean, she knows a thing or two because she's seen a thing or two. I mean, Sarah, like, yeah. You also have to take into account pre-existing relationships. I mean, Tony and Sarah. Yeah, he got rid of her in Kageon, and then in Game Changers, he went out early. But I think they are really close outside the show and. I think above all else, when he said to her, we're doing Cops for Us 2.0 and I will never write your name down. As of right now, he hasn't done that and she hasn't done that. So I feel like they probably 
went to bed and got over it. I just think that Sarah is right to be paranoid, especially playing with Tony. You have to be always keeping one eye open when you sleep. I mean, Tony needs to be kept an eye on and be kept on a leash in some way. So Sarah is rightfully, rightfully paranoid. I don't blame her for that. And I do think they can still work together moving forward, Jake. I think that Sarah knows that she lost an ally, but she has nowhere else to turn. She needs Tony in this game. And until they're writing each other's names down, I don't see them turning their backs on each other. Yeah, I mean, could you could you see them going to the end together? Cops are us going to the end. I think Tony would be open to bringing Sarah. Like, I don't think he would. I don't think he would definitely do it. I think that if he has a choice to bring Sarah or Jeremy, Sarah's going. But yeah. I think that I think that you know he probably would not want to go with her. Um, but I don't think that he loses against her either. So I, I, think, be, I think I think it's possible. I don't think it's ideal for him, uh, but I think it is possible. It's funny. I feel like Sarah Sarah's like a more loyal player than Tony's. I feel like logic would dictate that Sarah's more likely to take Tony than Tony is to take Sarah. But I just feel like with how great he's playing right now, and Sarah has to see that. I almost feel like Tony would be willing to take Sarah and Sarah wouldn't take him. But what I think is actually going to happen, and I would love to hear if you agree, I think what's going to happen is what Tony said, where one of them is going to get taken out, but not by the other. I think that something's going to happen. Someone's going to lead a charge and either Tony will go out or Sarah will go out, but the other will be blindsided by it. I, I think that they're going to go out, not by the other one's hand. Yeah, I, I, I honestly completely agree with that. Um I mean, it's going to have to happen eventually. If you're a remaining mm -hmm. player in that game, you, you have to bond together with the others that are not named Sarah and not named Tony, and you got to try and break that up. Um, yeah. But we do have another question here from Julia. Should Denise be worried after Tribal? Yes. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> oh, my God. We we completely forgot to talk about that in all the craziness that happened. But when Denise – and again, I felt this. As somebody who thinks the whispering's gotten a little bit out of hand, I felt this when Denise was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to vote now. I don't want to hear anything else. Also, listen, and I, I know this happens sometimes where people say things that they, they don't mean because they get cocky or they get upset. Um, and again, it's, it, it is part of the game. I mean, we see this happen where if you remember in Jeremy's and Jeremy says to Denise, you're not safe after tonight. And she's like, I got it, bro. I got it. We saw that happen when um, Kimmy in Cambodia, Kimmy flips on Jeremy and he's like, Kimmy, Kimmy, Kimmy. And that was a, obviously like a mistake and she forgave him. But we also saw that in Tyson season when Tyson won and there was the rock draw and Katie got rocked out and he says to her, like, that's your chair, like right over there. I think this happens sometimes where either you're confident or you feel hurt and betrayed and you just blurt out something. I do think, though, that that's actually going to fall back worse on Denise than Jeremy. I just think that Denise, now that she's been going back and forth and she doesn't have a, a stable footing now, I think that Denise is should definitely be worried after tonight. Yeah, I mean... Kim was her number one ally. She yeah. gets taken out. And now where does she stand? She doesn't really have anybody, if we're being honest. She's definitely no. not with Jeremy. She's definitely not with Tony, not with Sarah. Her only idea right now is to, you know, grab the alliance that could have been um, Nick and Michelle and then maybe pull Ben in to get a 4-3. That's really Denise's best bet or just winning immunity. So, yeah, I think I think Denise is definitely at the top of the list of people that are going to go home next week or could go yeah. home next week. I mean, in Winners at War, it's so hard to predict the game board. I mean, I try to keep up on Twitter, on YouTube. I'm a big fan of Peridium, who always has, like, his battle map to show, like, where the players are. But it's going to be really hard to see where 
the lines are drawn and who's going to go home because things are changing in this new era of Survivor. It's so hard to predict what's going to happen week to week because anything can just change on a dime. But if we're looking at, you know, like power rankings or like this, like a stopwatch of like who's going to go home next week, I got to think Denise is in trouble next week. I honestly think that Michelle, I don't see anyone going after Michelle still at this point. So I think Michelle's fine. Maybe, maybe people get mad at Ben and Ben goes home. I feel like the people that are in the most danger are Ben and Denise. And then if, I don't know, I mean, Jeremy's going to be in danger from here on out. And maybe, I feel like Tony is safe and Michelle is safe. I think anyone else is fair game to go out next week. I'll put a pin and say Denise or Ben, but Jeremy could go out or Sarah could go out by friendly fire with Tony. So I don't know. And I mean, Ben does have that idol. So you have to think that he probably is safe for at least another vote unless he misplays that. One thing that I actually brought up today um, and Hef actually texted me about it. Hef, Hef's prediction was that, you know, Hef's not here tonight, but we'll we'll give him uh, his his opinion. His prediction tonight was that Nick was going to go home. And I was thinking to myself, this was something that I had been thinking about. I don't know if anybody remembers in Cambodia, um, Second Chance. It was an extremely strong cast. It was pretty much just like this, where you felt like you had a really, really uh, small, uh, strong group of players in the final, final eight, final seven. And Joe... Um, challenge beast Joe brought up the idea and said, I think Abby is every, is the person that everyone wants to bring to the end. We should vote her out because even though she might be easy to win against at the end, she's the person that everyone wants to bring, which takes away a spot from us. So I was thinking that, you know, if you have a very strong group right here, um, maybe you do get an easy vote like Nick there somewhere along the lines if they feel like he could just steal a spot from somebody. So I thought that that was possible. I still think it is possible going forward, but I do think that the name to watch next week is Denise for sure. No, no, that, that's a that's a really good point. I mean, Hef, um, yeah, that did happen where Joe said we should vote out Abby and then Joe went out at the final eight, but then Abby went home next week at final seven. So I do think it's it's a very well-known play to make where you take out the person who everyone's going to sit next to because that's one less seat for you i mean we saw this most famously with sari with the three two one where she takes out courtney because she realizes everybody wants to sit next to courtney at the end she's in shane's final two she's in terry's final two she's in Aris's final two like that's someone who i need to get out because she's taking one of my seats so it's a classic move here the question that i have to ask though is that maybe hef and maybe you agree maybe you, you do feel like nick is the person they're going to take the end I'm wondering who in the game they think is their goat. Like, who is everyone taking to the end? Because if, if Tef is right and everyone's saying, oh, I'll take Nick to the end, maybe the right move is to take out Nick next week. But I'm not sure who people perceive as the goat this season because they're all winners. The only, again, they're all winners. So I don't want to give any disrespect. The only goats that I think our people might be looking at is either Nick, Michelle or Ben. I don't think you should be yeah. looking at Tony, Jeremy, Sarah, or Denise as a goat in this case. I, especially after the Sandra vote out with Denise, yeah. you can't look at her at her as a goat. So those four, I think for sure, are thinking of the other three as maybe their goats. But who's the most? Is it Nick? Is it Ben? Or is it Michelle? That's the question. Yeah, and we do have one more question here. So does Tony want to sit next to Jeremy at the end? If not, when will Tony blindside him? So we did briefly touch on this. I think that um, if this happens, then it's because Jeremy won a fire making challenge to get into the, assuming Tony is in the final three. Okay. In this scenario. um, And Jeremy's in the final four. 
there's no doubt that Tony's going to send Jeremy to fire making. Like there's no doubt. He's just way too likable. Um, and you know, we don't even know if there is a fire making, we're assuming it. And let's just say that when is he going to blindside him is the next question. What do you think on this, Ryan? I'm going to go with final six. I feel, I feel like you need to keep a shield to protect you. And if you keep them for too long, they can win out and then you can't get rid of them. Or if you vote them out too early, you're the next biggest target. I think Tony keeps trying to figure out how can I keep Jeremy as my shield, but not let him get to the end. So I don't think John that Tony wants to sit next to him at all. I think Jeremy is the last person Tony wants at the end with him. I'm going to go on a limb and say right now we're heading into final seven, maybe around final six. I think final six, I mean, granted, if Tony, if Jeremy doesn't win immunity next week, maybe he takes a shot then. But I think at the latest final six, if Jeremy doesn't have that necklace, you got to take out Jeremy at final six at that point. Yeah, I think that he needs to keep Jeremy around for probably one more vote just because you need the numbers and he is a solid yeah. number right now. Um, but after that, I think it's fair game. Um, if Tony feels like, cause Tony could go to, I feel like Tony could go to, he has Sarah. So that's two votes. He could, I feel like go to Ben if he needs something. I feel like he could go to Nick if he needs something, but I think that just for right now, you want Jeremy as that solid vote, at least for the next vote. Cause when you're going to seven, you probably need, you need four as the majority. Not probably. You definitely do. So I think that it's smart to keep Jeremy around for at least one more vote. Yep. Now the next question, who will come back from the edge? So, yeah, we've spoke about this every week. I think that Tyson has to be considered a favorite just because his track record and challenges. I think that Natalie has to be considered a favorite because she's a challenge beast. I would not count out Sophie. Um, I would not count out poverty with all the advantages she has either. She could have seven or eight fire tokens right now. We have to get an official count. Um, and that also goes for Natalie. I mentioned that she's a challenge beast also, but she has a good amount of tokens, especially after getting the two this week also. Um, and my big sleeper pick, and I know I mentioned this to you, my sleeper pick to come back is Wendell. I think that he has a really decent decent chance. and cha- He's good in challenges. He's smart at puzzles. I think he has a decent shot as well. And did I, did I mention Sophie also? Yeah. I, yeah. Right, so if it's some kind of type of pu- pu- puzzle thing, Sophie could definitely come back as well. Yeah, I agree. I think my, if I had to pick two, because I, I feel like with 11 people there, it's so hard to pick one. But I feel like with two people... I got to go with either Natalie or Tyson. I think just not only from an advantage perspective, but a physical standpoint and also from a story of the season, it's got to be, I think either Tony, not Tony, I'm sorry, Tyson or Natalie, but you're right. I could see a Wendell sneak in there. I could see a, a Parv sneak in there. The only people that I think don't have a shot to come back because of the, again, the story, the physical components, and then the advantages it looks like Amber, Danny, and Adam are the ones who are drawing dead. Ethan hasn't been shown in a while. I just feel like for Ethan's on as the third winner survivor, it's a big thing. Ethan could come back. I don't see it happening. I think the only ones who we can say are drawing dead with the challenge is either Adam, uh, Amber, or Danny. But I'll put my money on Michelle. No. There's so many names. Oh, my God. Yeah. Someone's taken Natalie or Tyson is my bet. Yeah, and obviously I don't want to just not mention Rob because you can't count him oh, out. Of course. But with, Rob. With, if the elbow injury is that serious and the challenge does happen in, what, five days or so. So I, I think that he's going to definitely be, be struggling. But Could uh, you imagine with the elbow if their challenge was the holding the um, the water I'm over curious, there? I'm curious to see next week if he's wearing like a wrap around it because it did look like a pretty bad injury. But yeah, uh, I want to move on to the next question. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. 
Ben tipped off Tony that Kim was gunning for him. Why is Ben helping Tony? I honestly think Ben's just trying to play both sides because I think that he wants to keep Tony close for when he does decide to try and vote him out, um, which is not a bad strategy, but I also think that he is playing it a little bit too strong and maybe opening his mouth a little bit too much. And in this scenario, I, I just, if you're Ben, I just don't see why you tip off that Kim was going for him. Maybe you, maybe you, and I, I know very back in episode one, Boston Rob was like interrogating Ben and was like, who threw my name at? Who threw my name at? And Ben just was like, uh, well, it was who I forgot who it was at that point. Danny, maybe I don't even remember, but I, I think that Ben's just got to keep that information close. Like if Tony says he was talking about me, Ben's just going to be like, Oh, it was just like a general consensus or he's just got to redirect another way. Um, I think Ben did give away a little bit too, too much information to Tony, but in the other hand, I do understand why he's trying to keep Tony close. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I agree to answer John's question. I think that, um, Ben is, I think he's helping Tony cause I think he realizes that the big dogs, like he said, him, Tony, Sarah, Jeremy, they got to stick together because otherwise I do agree. I do think that theory that Tony said where Michelle and Kim are going to pull in Denise and Nick. And then if we let one of us go out, those four, the three ladies and Nick are going to take us out. And I do think that's right. The small dogs will take out the big dogs. And I think there also is something like Tony said, there is something to be said about a soldier two cops a firefighter like those big dogs gotta stick together i do think there's something in that so i do think john that he's helping tony because he realizes that the big threats have to stick together at least for a few more votes or at least one more vote but you, you are right though i do think that ben tipping home off was the not the right move ben doesn't know how to keep the secret sometimes um and i think tyler brought up a good point just now saying you know i think ben sees tony the way tony sees jeremy i, I totally agree i think that Tony sees Jeremy as somebody who is a shield. I don't want him get, getting to the end, but I got to work with him for the time being right now. And Ben probably says, look, Tony's crazy, but he saw me get an idol. He's also a big dog. I don't want him to win, but I need him right now. I think you're, you're right. I think Ben and Tony and Tony and Jeremy are seeing each other as necessary evils that, that, that they need in the game right now. Yeah, I, de I definitely agree. I definitely agree with you. Um, it will be interesting to see how that plays out with both of them having idols. Um, yeah. But now I want to get to the announcement about oh, the, well. special, the special guests that we're having on the podcast on Sunday. So throughout the week, uh, I've been posting hints on Twitter and trying to get people to guess. So I want to go through the hints real quickly and we could try to brainstorm who was in the pool of possibilities and then we'll actually say who it is. Um, so I said one week from today, which was Sunday, we're having a huge guest join us on the podcast. Any guesses here? Your hands has played multiple times. Okay. Obviously it could be a ton of people has played with somebody still remaining in winners of war. So that had to do with eight people. Um, mm -hmm. And it's funny because Kim was voted out, but, and she had some multiple, she had some people play people play with her on season 24 that have played multiple times, but nobody from that season was in the ultimate survivor bracket, which was my next clue. So I said that they, had played multiple times, had played with somebody uh, playing, uh, had played with somebody remaining in Winners at War and was in the ultimate survivor bracket. So Kim being eliminated didn't really change those hints at all. And then I had, let's see, I had a few more hints that I added to that. So I said, this player holds a survivor record. Okay. That could, I don't, I, that could have been anything. I, so survivor records are so funny because <laughs> survivor records are so funny because there's like so many obscure ones 
but this one is definitely one that's pretty known. Um, and then I wrote my last hint was yesterday. I said this person ranks in the top ten in most votes against in their Survivor career. So a few people, there were a few guesses, and let's see some of the guesses we got. Andrea. So Andrea actually ranks number one in most votes ever. The other guest was Kelly Wentworth, and we are having Kelly Wentworth on on Dang Sunday. So she, so she, so we did get a few, we did get a few guesses. Kelly Wentworth will be joining us on the special edition of the podcast on Sunday, talking everything about Survivor winners at War, the seven people left, and we'll even talk a little bit about the seasons that she played. Season twenty nine, she played with. Uh, season twenty nine, Kelly played with Natalie. She played with Jeremy, um, and then season 31 she obviously played with jeremy again and then she played season 38 which was the first time that edge of extinction was a thing so i'll be curious to see her feedback on that yeah all those other people who didn't say wentworth those guesses do not count at all no i'm very excited to um to get kelly on the podcast it's gonna be really exciting like you said to hear her perspective on the game eoe but also the people who she's played with it's gonna be really exciting to see kelly yeah so the record that she actually holds is she voided the most votes from one idol so she voided i believe in the sound she voted nine votes against her so that was the record that she does hold um yeah but uh thank you to everybody for listening um if you don't already subscribe to this channel um soul survivor podcast like the video that'll help us a lot also follow us on twitter at soul survivor pod and yeah a lot of good content going forward the rest of the season so looking forward to it looking forward to it got nothing for you guys head back to camp